1: To the Coachable Podcast. Around here, we believe that life is the ultimate training ground for finding out what you are truly made of. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, high performance coach and breathwork facilitator. And each week, I share intimate conversations and inspirational stories from some of the world's most successful people. It's time to stop standing on the sidelines of your life and get your head and your heart back in the game. So take a seat, grab a pen, because you're gonna wanna take notes as I pull back the curtain on the tools, resources, and inspiration that you need to unlock your inner champion. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Coachable Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here for another week and another incredible guest. You guys, Lena Franklin, who... I have the pleasure of getting to sit down with and press the record button and talk to like I would talk to her in her living room, but you're going to get to be a fly on the wall on one of our conversations. Um, Lena is a modern medicine woman that comes in the form of so many things. You're so much more than any of your titles, Lena, but um, you're a personal psychotherapist, you're a spiritual teacher, you're a transformational speaker, your work Goes far beyond um, the city of Atlanta or this, you know, this country and this world. And I truly believe, like the work that you do, helps people to heal uh, lifetimes and lifetimes of of trauma and generational things that we'll probably get into, um, just to bring peace and ease and well being and wholeness. Truly to. Uh, our experience um, in this lifetime. And, you know, I would love to just jump in by you sharing a little about your upbringing because I know that you were raised in kind of a hybrid Buddhist-Christian home and what that was like and how you found yourself in the work that you do today. Um, Can you give us like a a beginner's guide to how someone ends up in the shoes that you do? Because you've been featured – you know, on Bravo, you've been featured on the f- cover of Yoga Magazine, you've been on Lifetime, like you've done some really incredible things that anyone would see and think, oh, wow, I would love that. Or how do I, how do I have that type of experience? Can you normalize and humanize that, that process and how you've, um, you know, evolved and grown into the woman and the work that you do today?
2: Hmm, thank you. First of all, thank you so much, Tori, for having me. I love that this already feels like just a soul sisterhood chat that we would have any evening or a day um, just being together. So I'm incredibly grateful to be here to share. And yeah, so let's go back. Um, I'll share some about how I grew up because that is really the foundation of the work that flows through me. So like you said, I grew up in a Buddhist Christian home. My mom was from South Vietnam and immigrated to the U.S. in 75. And my dad is a good old Georgia boy from Marietta, <laughs> Georgia. Um, and so I had a really interesting spiritual foundation. My dad's Presbyterian. My mom was Buddhist. My mom actually passed uh, very from a sudden stroke when I was in grad school. So that mm-hmm. Was a big part of my spiritual awakening, but when we, my sister and I were young, we were very uh, accustomed to the rituals of Buddhism, the ancestral altar, you know, going to the altar as a family to pray, to meditate, even to to connect with the energy of um, the ancestors in daily life through offerings, incense. Uh, plates and bowls of fruit and food at the altar. So there was a communion with the unseen world and the spirit realm as a young kid. And I will say, you know, those definitely planted seeds, but at that time it wasn't as if I took to it. You know, you're a kid, you're in America, you want to fit in. So there was some shame and embarrassment around it initially, which Um, I look back and, you know, understand where I was, but also see the growth and evolution that I've had in releasing that really honoring my, my Eastern Western upbringing. But my mom taught me meditation when I was young, around the age of nine. And, you know, she even would encourage me to practice compassion when we'd see scenes of war or conflict on the TV. It was always like, Go into the heart of yourself, which is, you know, also synonymous with the heart of Buddha, that innate goodness, that innate light, that we have this power within us to shift and change the world and thus the universe. And that is just a simple turning inward to practice. And so that has stuck with me through my life and my journey. And I remember she was one of my greatest spiritual teachers, definitely my first great spiritual teacher. And she is still my teacher in spirit form. Mm. But in human form, she would say things like, you know, you're meant to bring groups of people to my motherland, Vietnam. Mm. Vietnam," And I'd be like, mom, you're crazy. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, or you're meant, to, you're meant to help humans. You're meant to help humanity. And it, it felt fictitious or even too big at the time, but she knew, I mean, she, her soul was evolved, dialed in, um, highly intuitive and she was right. You know, I, I was called and, you know, going to your question around like, how do we step into something that we may intend? It's like, we, we do set intention, but if we tune into where we're being led, that's, when we actually align with our purpose and that's what my journey has been is this continual alignment leaning into the suffering in order to excavate what I'm meant to do and how I'm meant to share the work and surrender to that each day so it was a really interesting rich upbringing and you know now I have just overflowing tremendous gratitude for that uniqueness. Um, and I am very much like a child of the East and West. My dad's a psych- psychologist. And so I had like that psychology background, also the Buddhist background. And both of those elements really fuel and support the work that I share today. Mm. Yeah.
1: Thank you for sharing all that. You know, as close as I feel like I am to you, our relationship is is very new and I'm still learning about your so much different pieces of your own story. And I really resonate with a lot of what you shared simply one right off the bat is, you know, my mom's passing was a big catalyst for my spiritual awakening as well. And then um, just some of the shame and embarrassment that I had around my childhood and my upbringing and having, you know, liberal parents that we didn't necessarily grow up in the Southern Baptist you know, tradition that everybody else did and thinking that we were wrong or weird for that. And, and now on my, you know, where I am today, looking back and so seeing where I was at that point and mm-hmm. how it was a critical part of my own journey too. And mm-hmm. so I really understand and uh, connect with that part of your story. And I- I'd love to hear like, when did you start to feel a call, um, Mm -hmm. to this work because as a formally trained psychotherapist, um, I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, that part of the call started with your formal training as Mm -hmm. a therapist and then maybe evolved, but I'd love to hear what like inspired you to go into the work in general of just, I want to help people and this is my calling. This is my purpose. Cause there's so many people that might listen to this show and feel like I want, I feel called to help people. (laughs) Yeah. I feel, I want to inspire people. I want to help people heal. I want to do X, Y, and Z, or they're looking for their purpose. How,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. how did that come become clear to you?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a great question. And I sit with Many of these moments frequently, I'm I'm kind of in a retracing phase of my own healing right now. So Mm. I love this because I've been with it recently. So when my mom... Past, um, it was my first year of grad school. I was at the University of Georgia, um, studying to become a clinical social worker. So my access point, like you said, was psychotherapy, and I knew I was meant to help people. That was just my nature. You know, in school, people always gravitated towards me to support them, and. I, I would hold informal like therapy circles like in the <laughs> schoolyard uh, just talking about, you know, what's going on and people's relationships and friendships. So it's just my, my nature, my compassionate heart was very much always at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, but when my mom passed and I went into that existential place of if life can be so fleeting, if if life can can be. Here, human life can be here one moment and then taken or gone in the next. Why are we here? And so there's this surge of urgency that flew through me to understand why are we here? And it's interesting because the meditation she introduced me to when I was younger then became the portals through which I connected with spirit after her transition out of the human body. Mm -hmm. So I began my formal meditation practice really after she transitioned in order to be with this tremendous, all-encompassing, primal grief Mm -hmm. and sadness. And it was in those moments where I felt a transcendence through the suffering was like, once I would can sit with it, sit with it. And then It's almost like moving through a veil of pain. And then you feel this opening, the heart opening, your energy field opening. And there was something transformational there, right? Like sitting in meditation with suffering as a way to heal yourself. And so it was my own inner experience of that, that continued to guide me in a more accelerated way. Humanity needs these practices yes, you know, through psychotherapy initially for me, but I began really soon, even before I had my own business and private practice, integrating mindfulness tools and meditations into my work with, initially I worked with kids, teens, and families at an agency. So it was that experience of sitting with my own suffering and realizing there's so much capacity within ourselves that most people are not tapped into. Mm. So Mm. it's, amazing what we can do for ourselves through self-led practice.
1: You're so right because I um I too studied to be a social worker. That was my my path. And I um understand what you're saying in terms of adding that on top of and integrating, weaving it into your psychotherapy practice. One of the things, you know, I think for for people, it's helpful for people to understand. I say not all coaches are cut from the same cloth. Not all therapists are cut right. from the same cloth. You know? Totally. <laughs> that, um, you know, if you go to tr- traditional cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, you're likely – not going to be talking about these spiritual practices and like maybe even talk about mindfulness or meditation or anything like that. And so that was a, an intentional conscious thing that you added in. And then you've, you've made your own practice, which is a, it's a, Connect collaboration with all of the modalities that you've you know acquired and that have worked for you and that you've pra- you practice and that's, that's something I tell my people that are interested in my work all the time is I don't uh, share anything that I don't practice Mm -hmm. you know these are the tools that have proven most useful and powerful personally for me and my own healing because it was my uh desperation to Mm -hmm. heal myself that sent me on the path of um you know i am only here because i hired went to therapy and hired a coach to help me uh deal with my grief as well and Mm so i was actually talking to to jeff um the other day your fiance about mm-hmm. uh, the work that you guys do specifically around energy and deep deep embodiment and i told i was like you guys this you are real doctors <laughs> because um there's so many doctors in the western medicine mm-hmm. that do surgery um on people that they've never on undergone themselves right right <laughs> right? They don't know, they they know in theory, they know based on what they've learned in, you know, maybe practicing with other people, but they've never personally had the experience. Mm -hmm. And there's something so powerful that can't be replicated simply in a virtual, you know, learning experience or Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you can fly a plane in a virtual experience all day long, and then there's it's that, and then you get in the air, <laughs> and you're doing it in real life, and there's just there's different conditions and factors that you have yeah. that come into play. Um, so I said, y'all, in my opinion, from my perspective, you are the true a true doctor in that yeah, sense yeah. of because you um have embodied the work and you yeah. and you practice the work, and so I would love. To, you know, hear you talk about the way energetics plays a role in the work of self healing and wholeness, and um, so that those listening can understand and have context for some of the places we might go in this conversation. So, when someone's hearing energy work or energetics, masculine, feminine, this these types of uh, verbiage what are we referring to and can you give us kind of the beginner's guide to understanding uh, energy and in terms of our energetic bodies and mm-hmm. also the masculine and feminine aspects of that and how it shows up
2: mm, i love that first i love what you said about embodiment so key we can't lead people i mean we can but it's not as is, is deep and meaningful to lead people to where you haven't been. So I love that point. Yes, energetics. Um, great question. So this, everything in the Manifest Universe is is made of energy. And some people, you know, my my partner Jeff can. I have, am beginning to really like my third eye's opening and I can see more and more energy every day. Some people can see different forms of energy. We all have the capacity to but energy is uh, vibration. It is particles of light essentially. And so our bodies, for example, are made of energy, but the, the material body is, is denser energy. And then we have energy that surrounds us. So some people may have heard of our aura, our energy field, which is about two to three feet from the physical body. If you think about all the lessons you've learned in physics, okay, so quantum physics um, supporting what mystics have been talking about for so many centuries. I okay, hear about energy can't be created or destroyed. Mm-hmm. So that's that relates to the um, transfer of energy, for example, when a body perishes and a soul transitions out of the body. It just transitions into a different form, a different realm even. Mm -hmm. So if we can all agree collectively that everything in the universe is made of energy, then we can break that down. Okay, what are the different kinds of energy? So we're talking about now, um, if you think about your body, there's different energy centers. Seven, so you may have heard of the chakra system, seven different energy centers that each possess a different psycho emotional, psycho spiritual dynamic. And that's a whole nother body of work, okay? Maybe a whole nother episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also bring up masculine and feminine energy. So, again, if ener- energy is vibration, energy is made of light particles. That vibrational resonance is different for each person. It's like a thumbprint or a snowflake. Your energetic uh, blueprint is unique to you, which is really a profound and important fact because that, so to me, it supports the truth that we're all here to share our unique energy vibration, our unique energy blueprint with the world in ways that support the earth and humanity. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we talk about masculine and feminine energy. Every human embodies both masculine and feminine energies. And some are more predominantly masculine. Masculine energy is more of a, we call it a young energy, which is, more boisterous, more fast-moving, more, um, it can be aggressive sometimes in an imbalanced way, or it can be more forward. Okay. That it's, it's more intense, right? It's more, um, it has more of a harder hit, right? It can be louder. So feminine energy is more soft and quiet and graceful Mm -hmm. and nurturing, You think about feminine qualities, you know, that's speaking to feminine energy. So we all possess both. And part of our work, our healing work, is to begin to balance both of those energies and understand when am I over-functioning in the masculine or the feminine even? And how can I work with myself energetically, emotionally, psychologically to balance those two, because each we need both, mm-hmm. you know, we need the, um, the forward movement, the progression, the, um, extrovertedness of masculine young energy, but it needs to also be tempered by the grounded, soft, loving, nurturing energy of the feminine.
1: Yeah. This is something that I've been learning a lot about and working to integrate into my own life because, I would guess a year or so or maybe more, probably a year and a half ago or so, I started to recognize these things. And At the beginning of my spiritual awakening, uh, to your point about um, the physical body and the transition from life to death and afterlife, um, similarly to you, I spent more than a a handful of times with people that are very, very close to me after they'd passed my mom my sister three grandparents and uncle and being with their physical body woke Mm -hmm. me up to the fact that they were not there i was with present with their body but the soul the boundless limitless part of them had was somewhere else had transitioned on and it started to ask i started to ask questions okay if we're not just a body and a mind what are we? And then I got yeah. to the, the whole thing that you just shared about, okay, we are entered vibrating energy and energy can't be destroyed. It just changes form and transitions. And and um, so that learning about this has given me so much inner peace mm-hmm. around the, the traumatic, you know, the grieving process that I experience of, mm-hmm. and I hate lo- using this word, losing people that I love because I really don't they're not lost. <laughs> right. They're not lost at all. Um, and so I've, I've experienced deep healing from just understanding these things that I wasn't, you know, privy to it and wasn't taught growing up. Um, and it also opens this whole new way of seeing the world and self-discovering, like discovering yourself, the true self, who am I without all the ways I, I thought defined me, all the things that I thought I was, um, which are temporary, limited, usually fear-based uh, uh-huh. belief systems and, and coming back to the truth of of who I am. And, and that's mm-hmm. love, um, ultimately in light. And so when you're talking about the masculine and feminine, I started to recognize in my own life you know, some of those dynamics. I was very assertive. I was very outgoing, uh, decisive. I, I liked efficiency. I got things done very much a doer, mm-hmm. uh, achiever. And that's a lot of that masculine and the feminine was much more, uh, foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it was, yeah. um, very new when I recognized, uh, and was confronted with the truth of how imbalanced I was for a long time. Um, unknowingly and so it's been something I personally have worked on of learning to receive which is a feminine quality like uh, sitting in the seat of allowing myself to be taken care of to receive to be soft to be gentle to be um all of the things you kind of just described as a as opposed to movement fast getting things done doing for others um and that's been a work in progress so I would love for you to go a little deeper and if you can speak more on this um how might somebody recognize if they have an imbalance of one or the other um because I gave a couple of examples personally but how do imbalances show up for people or manifest and what can we start to do um, in order to kind of even out those scales a bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I have a really practical practice that's very simple and it, it even feels like too simplistic a little bit, but it it works and it's true and it speaks to your masculine and feminine energy. So um, just a quick little mini teaching. So our left side of the body is associated with the feminine energy and the moon and our right side of the body is associated with the masculine and the sun. So more yang energy on the right and more yin energy on the left. So if you stand shoulder width apart and you tune into your feet and how much weight you are putting on the left foot versus the right foot, then you will be able to tell which side is your predominant side. Mm-hmm. So if you're more tilted towards the right, you're carrying more masculine energy. If you're tilted towards the left, more feminine energy. And the, in, the intention, the goal would be to, to carry even weight in both. So that's a little tidbit portable practice for you to really check in and
1: mm-hmm.
2: how much you're carrying and which side maybe needs some work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really big on self-inquiries, you know, really looking at your life, your functioning, your rhythm, your behaviors discerningly with compassion to see, you know, are you feeling frenetic? Are you feeling stressed? Overall, if we're looking at uh, global norms, we've been ruled by hyper-masculine energy for far too long, for many centuries. Mm -hmm. And so with that, knowing that, you know, and knowing your own patterns and rhythms, how can you see where perhaps you're over-functioning, like you said, or overdoing? Um, what is your level of stillness and silence and presence during the day? That's one really simple self-inquiry to be with. And if you are not meditating, not getting still, like always on the go, uh, feeling perpetually stressed, then you're in hypermasculine energy and you may be feeling the effects of that stress, anxiety, um, even inflammation in the body, other emotional and physical imbalances. Mm -hmm. How much are you practicing intentional self-care, right? Right. That's a more feminine quality. How much, or what does it feel like rather when someone gives you a compliment? How is it to receive, right? Like you said, and the way that, you know, this can show up in all different ways in our our life, but it begins with our relationship with self and then manifests in our relationship with others. So checking in with, you know, your, relationship with your body and as you become more embodied in different practices whether it's yoga meditation breath work i know you teach some really powerful breath work you know how can you dialogue with your soul dialogue with your heart and ask what it needs within this realm specifically you know Mm -hmm. what do i need i ask myself that every day in meditation And I then surrender into silence to listen, which is a very yin feminine quality to what arises. And usually it's something like more rest, Mm -hmm. (laughs) more stillness. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's all about Mm self-awareness. It comes down to self-awareness. The more self-aware you can be, the more you can pick up on some of these masculine and feminine imbalances.
1: And we need both because we if we that. were always resting, yeah. always receiving, you know what I mean? Who would take, we, not that men take care of us, but the, we need the masculine energy mm-hmm. within ourselves to yes. get things done and to go execute on all of the beautiful things that we receive in our stillness and our presence yeah. and to actually bring it into to creation, into form. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to just preface this by saying, if you are a man or you identify as a man, you also have feminine energy and vice versa. Um, Just because we're talking about uh, masculine energy, that doesn't mean that's strictly for men. We all have both of these within us. Um, And they certainly have shown up in my ways, uh, my life in different ways. And this can also look like, um, I'd like to you to speak on the difference between when something is healthy Mm -hmm. uh, and a healthy expression of one of these energies and maybe a shadow side. What does that mean? And how might something express in a healthy way? And what's the kind of the opposite side of that Mm -hmm. expression?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I can use myself as an example because I – carry predominant feminine energy and there were many points in my past where i didn't have enough masculine energy to put up the boundaries i needed or to advocate for what i needed Mm -hmm. especially in relationships so if you think about for example it's a quality of um yeah of speaking your truth and putting up boundaries asking for what you need Mm -hmm. those are more masculine traits, right? So the healthy manifestation of that is that it's exactly what you do in a grounded, respectful, compassionate way. You put up your boundaries, you say what is allowed, what you will tolerate and what you will accept in your orbit, in your life, and you decide what you won't, Mm. right? And and so that's a really healthy, masculine manifestation of the energy of expression through the throat Mm. chakra, Now, the shadow side of that would be um, a hyper-triggered ego that lashes out Mm -hmm. and is aggressive or harmful using words Mm -hmm. because they haven't, perhaps there's an inner child wound that's tantruming and it hasn't been worked through, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, On the flip side, and we're using expression, I've been working a lot with the throat chakra with a lot of my, my clients and students, so it feels like very much at the forefront. For the feminine expression, the softer, compassionate, um, even silent, because silence is a form of expression too. Of course, I'm sure you know we do and those listening know women who were silent in the face of abuse, mm. in the face of harm. Mm. And that's a shadow side of the feminine expression. Silence can be used so powerfully and so skillfully, but when there has been woundedness or there's low self-esteem, there's um, a really kind of wounded inner child activated, that expression center can totally shut down and the feminine um expression is, is silent when it needs to be more masculine. Mm. So that's the shadow side of feminine expression at times for fear, right? There's two main energies in the universe, love and fear, and that fear can operate in so many insidious ways. So, and we can take any action or any domain in our life. There's always a masculine and feminine and how can we balance both? There's always a light side and always a shadow side, the non-duality of it all.
1: Yeah. I'm just thinking to, about how also silence can be weaponized, you Mm -hmm. know, especially in relationships. It's that uh, also that shadow side of, um, can be, I guess the shadow side of speaking your truth is, is withholding mm-hmm. and using yeah. silence as, you know, a tool to, to harm or to hurt somebody because you've been hurt. Um, and also, you know, with, um, on the feminine side, uh, using the, the nurturing really peace or being on the other side, which is like more manipulative and using mm-hmm. our, our sexuality or whatever to, for, other reasons to get something or to get love or to get acceptance or approval you know and a lot of this is unconscious um you know most of it all is Uh, we don't recognize we're doing it and that's why to your point the self-inquiry is so important to start to recognize the patterns and the ways that we show Mm -hmm. up in different ways with ourselves first and then in relationships to other people uh that's been my path to recognizing it in myself and and I say this to my audience all the time because I want to normalize you know people in our industry whether they're a therapist whether you're a coach whether you're a spiritual healer whatever that you know our work continues you know mm-hmm. you're you're we have not uh you know transcended all of it we have not um you know ascended we are not an ascended master just yet but like so our my shadow so shows its, its yeah. self all of the time. And it's, I feel like it's just, um, I've gotten more skillful at recognizing mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and seeing it and knowing when it's a part, you know, maybe it's an inner child uh, one that's acting out, it's tantruming, it's, you know, asking for mm-hmm. to be heard. It's asking yeah. for safety. It's asking for love. And now I know how to self-suit and how to provide that for myself, whereas before I was just acting out in relationships or proving myself and mm-hmm. trying to do these things to get ultimately an emotional need that went unmet, met. Right.
2: That's right. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's like that self-awareness illuminates where we are still operating from the wound and as long as we're in human form, the work continues. And we're walking alongside each other. You know, there's no hierarchy. If you're a healer, teacher, therapist, coach, Mm -hmm. there's a walking with. And I think for those of us who do this kind of work, that's so key. Mm -hmm. That is so key that we are vulnerable enough to allow our experience to be, you know, heard and seen in ways that humanize and normalize i mean just not that many years ago i got divorced about three years ago and in that relationship and i i had an anxious attachment growing up uh, because i had a, a mom who she taught meditation she was a beautiful nurture but she also had ptsd mm-hmm. from the vietnam war and there was a lot of paranoia there was a lot of instability emotionally because of her trauma in the household so I was constantly on edge and um, you know in this anxious place with my dynamic it was like the the over operating if I did well if I performed she was also like You know, quintessential Asian tiger mom, Mm -hmm. then I was worthy of love and connection. And so that anxious attachment later in life attracted a partner and a husband who had more of a disorganized or avoidant attachment. So then I didn't have to go deep, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, in that dynamic. And we eventually created a pattern where I was in my stonewalled, um, closed down self, oftentimes, you know, in a place of great constriction and fear. And he, you know, when he would be in his wounded self, it it looked very much like inner child tantruming. And Mm -hmm. it was like constant avoidance of the conflict because of our attachment styles in order to subconsciously protect that inner child wound. So Going back to meditation, I mean, that's a big, um, a big way that we can heal ourselves is through this, this practice and it, the work never ends. Mm. And we, I think this is where like the masculine and feminine can be such powerful lenses in which we look clearly at ourselves. So in my past marriage through generations of women silencing themselves because of oppressive relationships and dynamics that felt highly unsafe. Um, it's really interesting to look at like our own patterns through those lenses.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, have talked about this a lot after my mom's passing, you know, that activated so much in me to want to under ask why, Mm -hmm. ask big, deep questions. Why am I the way I am? Why do certain things happen? Um, And there were so, so much I wanted to ask her that I couldn't, Mm -hmm. you know, and so when I went on a, you know, journey of asking my dad and kind of digging through the history books of my family, um, and what made her, her, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's often we put our parents on this pedestal and we think of them as a parent and we don't think of them as a person with dreams and fears and insecurities of their own and, um. It's easy just to look outside of ourselves and point the finger and say, you know, you set me up for failure or you taught me this or right. you know, blame. But and and not put on the compassionate lens of what contributed to your ways of being and your ways of operating in the world. And that's taken me down a rabbit hole of dealing with generational mm-hmm. trauma and working with you and and Jeff around how that shows up, and trying to navigate is this um something that's personally mine, or is this maybe something that I've carried and um carried from down from my ancestors yeah. okay. and showing up now and um <sighs> that can come from looking at the patterns in my own life, but then seeing how that showed up for my mom or how that mm-hmm. showed up in my grandmother's, how that's gone up the chain, on uh, the ladder. And, um, you know, those, it can show us so much and also about how, what the path forward is right. in terms of healing. I have spent a lot of time working with this and around the, my wounds of fear of loss and that kind of thing, but there are a couple specific things I would like to to touch on and have you speak to, which are um, having a sister wound or having the mother wound show up in our life, because for women that are listening, uh, there, you know, it's it's often that we see. Um, Maybe it's hard. You're somebody who identifies as not having a lot of girlfriends or maybe like, I just, I don't get along with girls, you know, or girls are mean and catty. I was always the girl that like got along with the guys. Like I was, I had really, really close girlfriends growing up, but then as there were also a lot of really hard moments with girls as well. Um, And, you know, healing those experiences and how it might impact our ability to have deep relationships or connections now mm-hmm. um you know what would you say to somebody who maybe they've they know they've experienced some type of pain from whether it was mom or stepmom or girlfriends mm-hmm. what are the implications of something like that and how do we even begin (laughs) to restore (laughs) wholeness to those parts of us that are don't feel like we can trust people or maybe we're really longing for connection, but we've got deep patterns that prevent us from having that kind of intimacy in our relationships, whether it's our friendships or with our family or romantic partners. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. So we at the core, we, um, as children, we receive that nurturing energy from—not all of us do, right—but the, the, um, the prototype or the, the intention, you know, in an ideal sense, is that we receive that nurturing energy from our mother, and we receive that like strong, protective, but also loving energy from our father. And obviously not the case for all beings. And as we continue on, right, we lose parents. We have really hard um, or even traumatic relationships with men, women, and that can result in a father wound or a mother wound like you spoke to. And so if for those listening and tuning in and if you think about females or female energy over time. What that has been like—it's almost like doing a a timeline, a timeline of relationship history, and that can be like a journaling exercise Mm -hmm. and and really tuning into what were the internalized messages that I took in, whether at the time it was conscious or unconscious, that still operate in my dynamics with self and other. In this moment. So for me, as I lost my mom, you know, I developed a wound around, um, especially female friends, but it also manifested in male relationships for me, um, that abandonment wound, like that people were going to leave me suddenly, that trauma so working with that has been profoundly like transformative because I saw how I was perpetuating that wound in that pattern, but it begins, it's all an inside job. It begins with your relationship with self. So how can you embark on that, that process, the healing process of reparenting yourself and a way that I guide clients, my clients, my students, into this is through connecting with the energy and the image even of your higher self in a meditation it's kind of like a visualization meditation your higher self as the embodiment of this divine feminine and masculine energy and then bringing in that embodiment or the image of your wounded self it may be the age you were when you lost your parent or you had a traumatic incident or a wounded inner child, you know, for me, there was a lot of perfectionism. So like, I I go back often to a time where I failed my first test and it was, <laughs> it was this aggressive, you know, my parents, I fully believed they were doing the best they could with what they were given, but it was like a thing, right? I was like in my parents' bathroom, like this is not okay. Like I, tra- I was traumatized. <laughs> Really? Oh my
1: gosh. I'm laughing because I have mm-hmm. yeah. the same experience really? that I go back That's to so over funny. and over yeah. again. Yeah, I was, yes, I think I was around my grade. first failed test and, and that in the
2: sixth grade. That yeah. so strong. And I work with that little girl so often, um, you know, reparenting her through the arms and the compassionate, loving heart of my higher self. And so it's, it's our ability to do that work internally, you know, and you may initially need a coach, a healer, a guide to do it. But once you have those skills, you can go in whenever you need to. So I would say like to your question, like that is one of the best ways to begin this work. Cause Mm -hmm. as you do, you'll have emotional releases. If you pair it with breath work and energy work, whether it's energy work with someone else or learning how to do energy work on yourself, it can be transformative to heal those wounds. And then obviously you're taking, um, the more integrated healed parts of yourself out into relationship with others. But that inner reparenting is so key.
1: Yes, it is. And most recently in my own healing journey, I, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought I was able to access all of me, um, Bef- especially as I started to harness the power of breath um, and how it blew doors wide open that I had never accessed before, especially, I mean, breathwork was my f- really what helped me to begin to, t- to know viscerally what it feels like to be in the feminine because <laughs> um, it got me in my body, which I had spent... years of living my whole life in my head and analyzing and thinking about, you know, overthinking and that kind of thing. And so breathwork brought me right back into the present moment, into my body, into feeling, Mm -hmm. into, um, emoting, um, moving slower, moving, you know, at a different pace and a different rhythm. And I thought, you know, oh, breathwork is, is it and that's given me access to everything i need and it did i do believe that it on it is the bridge into to the unseen i i believe that my breath connects me to all that is seen and unseen because without breath there is no physical life but um you know i had a um I had a, a plant medicine journey experience that I had set an intention to connect with the divine feminine, to do some intentional work around my mother and the things that I'd personally experienced um in the past with women and just really allowing myself to deeply more embody uh, the feminine.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And wow, I, I had no idea <laughs> what um, that would be like. And it was oh so so many um deep truths you know i came across that mm. were really 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 helpful but what i realized is that no matter what kind of child we had childhood we had which i had a beautiful childhood there was so much that was really amazing about my my childhood and upbringing that we the body keeps all of that locked within it and um, it's just our mind that often represses a lot of the memories that, that happened to us. And it was through a plant medicine mm-hmm. journey that I had that allowed me to access some of those memories, um, that showed me more and gave me more, a deeper understanding for why I've certain things have happened in my life mm-hmm. or why I've had patterns that, you know, I clung to and it made so much so much made more sense to me. And I felt like I got to know myself better all, all over again. Um, I know you are really familiar with this, with the work and, and the healing properties of plant medicine. Um, and your experience, you know, is that, is it just another tool, you know, in our tool belt for healing or is it something, do you think it's, are we able to access and get to everything we need to on our own or are the plants part of that in your opinion?
2: (laughs) Yes. I, I fully believe, um, and it's interesting. I was with this very much last night, just the, the truth that like we, we are interconnected. There's this interdependence that we have with the earth and the, consciousness of Mother Earth, Pachamama, Gaia, whatever terms we use, and that includes the plants that grow on this planet, many of which have a consciousness that is so far beyond and more evolved than human consciousness. So absolutely, you know, communing with plant medicine in an intentional and reverent an authentic way and my access point and my belief is to honor the spirit behind the plant and to use it in a ceremonial way. Now there's a whole movement that's bringing plant medicine, um, psilocybin, mm-hmm. other psychedelics into the clinical world. I think that will help a lot of people but, but it diminishes a significant part of the power of plant medicine because what the medicine does is it helps us to access parts of our psyche, our consciousness, mm-hmm. parts of our brain that have been unused. or um, It helps us to access those parts of us that we likely wouldn't be able to access without the medicine or just mm-hmm. through therapy or meditation or mm-hmm. uh, free will because of the, the limitations of the ordinary human mind. So, you know, that's, that's work that I'm, I'm really excited about in the world and that, that we, um, offer and do my partner and I, Jeff and I, and it's, um, it's transformative. It's a rewiring, rebalancing, energetic release, um, soul work, multidimensional experience that, is has a big place on this planet um and it's evolving rapidly.
1: it is and you guys are on the forefront of bringing that to the world and it is um <laughs> it has changed my life i feel like i'm on an accelerated growth and healing journey because uh, i was called to the medicine and it, it is we are all in connect interconnected there's this message that keeps coming up is like it's all connected. I was watching a show that I'm really interested in right now on Netflix called The Manifest, and there's this this whole theme of everything is connected. and when I have sat with the medicine, I experienced exactly what you're talking about is a, a an access to to um, truths and and parts of my own mind and psyche and being and soul that I I didn't have access to in my waking daily life, and I remember once yeah. in my first plant medicine ceremony saying, "I want to live like this forever. I want and I and I was referencing like I want to have access to this all the time. I want to be this to be." normal right um because Mm -hmm. it was so expansive and so powerful but the way for those listening who are trying to maybe wrap your mind around (laughs) your mind around what we're talking about you know the way i describe the psyche and i want to make sure that i'm giving an accurate kind of description so please correct me if i'm wrong but the conscious mind is is kind of we only use like five percent of our waking life is is consciously driven. And we the conscious mind, you can kind of think of it as like a flashlight. Like it's what's illuminating what you're focused on right now. It is in your awareness. I know that I am speaking into this microphone. I'm consciously thinking about that. Um, so it's the the kind of the flashlight that you point at something and you direct your focus. An intention there. And then the subconscious mind is like all of the places in your home that are doors, maybe that you've walked in and out of, and that you can walk in at any point. So, like, I can think about my right pinky toe right now, and I can wiggle it and I can bring it into my awareness. But two seconds ago, I wasn't thinking about it. Right. Like, but now mm-hmm. that was just or my breathing, you know, it's subconscious, it's doing its own own, or I can consciously breathe. It's going to still be there. Mm -hmm. And then the unconscious are, is all the stuff that's there that I'm unaware of. (laughs) Right. And so if you think of a house the part of the house that you live and operate in all the time or the room that you're currently in and then the subconscious being all the rooms that you go in and out of and then the unconscious being the entire house and all of the property and everything around it and the soil that it's built on and (laughs) all of that. Uh, That's kind of been my experience so far with the medicine is starting to um, explore. That's really been like a Feeling there was a resonance of exploration every time I mm-hmm. sat with the medicine of there's more to discover. There's more to unlock. There's mm-hmm. more to discover and find and to, to love and accept and integrate and be with. And, um, and that's been really, really, really powerful because I think part of me and maybe this is a tendency for anybody on this path. It's like, I'll get to, an end point of myself, of my healing, mm-hmm. you know, or it's like, when am I going to be done with this? And what I'm realizing is there's mm-hmm. always, there's more levels. Once I've done with the, the the ego and the carnal and the primal stuff, then there's, you know, then all the fun begins for me, at least. Then I get to access all my multidimensionality uh, as a spiritual being, mm-hmm. not just as this the human part of me that's talking to you right now.
2: <laughs> that's right. I love the way you describe that Tori. It's absolutely, you know, and we have so little, we're utilizing such a small percentage of our conscious mind. And that's a huge part. I love the word exploration and and the adventure and curiosity of that in a plant medicine ceremony is life changing. You know, life changing and um, I know you do such beautiful healing work for yourself and for others those that you coach. And I just want to point out because this is key cuz this plant medicine topic is is becoming more and more popular and people are traveling to all also- places, mm-hmm. Peru, Costa Rica, all different places to do medicine ceremonies, which can be, again, very transformative. But the the real, the real transformation happens when you integrate the insights and the openings and the rewirings in your day-to-day life mm-hmm. after ceremony. So it's important to Continue to do that work with whoever, you know, your trusted therapist or practitioner, um, because that's where the sustainable healing and transformation mm-hmm. happens. And it's it's ongoing. It's not like plant medicine is not a one and done. You are healed after it. It is all in human form, because through our words and actions, we are then healing ourselves as we shift dynamics that have been operating for generations likely. So I think that's a really important point. It's not a, it's not a Mm -hmm. fix it immediacy. We're so addicted to immediacy in our society. It is not that. And Mm -hmm. the, the true authentic work requires an integration and continued ongoing work with yourself.
1: I, I, completely agree and one of uh, you know one of my teachers says life will always present us with people and circumstances to show us where we're not healed yeah. so you know there's an immense you know all we have to do is wake up every day and live life to show us where we need oh the, yeah the healing and it will present us with those opportunities to look at those parts and then like a couple years I would have been nowhere near personally ready to receive um, the healing from the plant medicine that I did and then to do and prepared to do the integration work. Um, if I wasn't, and that's why I've only started that in my own life and my own process in the last few months. Um, I think it's progressive and, um, to your point, I don't think it's, sh- for me it's not something i sought out right. um i didn't go looking for it at all it wasn't recreational like that it was never it was very sacred and mm-hmm. it it was almost like um i have to do this i felt like compelled yeah. to do it not and i and i had hesitancy a lot of hesitancy around it mm-hmm. um that i got to to work with and so it presented me the perfect container i needed for for healing in that way. But I I completely agree with you. Um, There's so many, so much we could talk about and so many places we could take this conversation. I could talk to you forever and ever. Um, But I guess the biggest thing I want to ask you, I guess, to leave people with is you work with people all the time and you have for years. You see the things that that we go through and you go through personally, we, none of us are exempt from the day to day struggles or pains or stress. Um, You know, for those that are resonating with what we're talking about, they're interested, they're curious. Somebody told me that was my superpower once. I think one of the first intuitives I ever talked to, she's like, yeah, you know, your curiosity is your superpower. Um, What are, you know, what, What's a piece of advice you want to leave with people or a recommendation, an invitation, um, mm-hmm. anything that you think will be of value that you want to leave behind um, and let people know about?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, I want to tune in and mm-hmm. see what, what feels most prominent. So what I would say, because we're in, we're in a great awakening right now. And it can be a really intense and accelerated and transformative time. And maybe for any of you listening, you may be feeling that in your life, whether it's life change, dark night of the soul crisis, um, trauma, what have you, is that you possess a resilience, a stamina, a power that your cognitive mind does not have the capacity to understand. So our willingness to embrace the unseen power within us is the portal through which we truly liberate ourselves into the most expansive joy, love, connection, meaning that we can dream of. And actually we're meant to work through and to heal our resistances and traumas in order for us to create a heaven on earth, a blissful life. And that may feel, as I say it, you may feel like that's far-fetched or you may have your own trigger or resistance come up around it and that's okay. But I just feel incredibly called to encourage you to transform your relationship with discomfort, transform your relationship with fear, and know that you have everything you need within to successfully and effectively move through that and to liberate yourself, which means you're liberating your soul. And that work happens moment to moment. What do you believe versus what does someone else, what did someone else program within you? you know, What is your truth? What is your intention? Is that your intention or has that have been an intention planted within your psyche? You know, it's that constant going inward as you, you being the center of your wisdom, honoring and privileging your wisdom beyond anything outside of you. And meditation and this healing work is a beautiful and powerful portal into that self reclamation, self mastery. So it's an invitation for all of that. And I'm. So grateful to share. and mm-hmm. I invite people to you know connect. Uh, we're here just walking each other on this path. and part of my gift and my Dharma, my purpose, is to walk with you and to help shine a light on the dark, shadowy places so we can clear, purify, recalibrate, rewire, and live within the fullest expression of who we're meant to be.
1: You do so. it so well, you Thank are you. certainly guiding guiding a guiding light in my life, and um that was just such a beautiful invitation to uh, step forward and towards the the things that scare us, you know, because yeah. on the other side of our fear is great expansion, and um, all the things that we really desire, deeply desire. Um, I, every single time, you know, this is a, that's a truth. I know that like my growth and my healing, the things I want are on the other side of my fears. And yet every time I'm presented with an opportunity to walk that out and, and Mm -hmm. ask myself, do I really believe what I say? I believe, which is that Mm -hmm. my healing and my growth is on the other side of facing my fear and doing the thing I'm, I'm scared to do. And every time I'm reminded that is that is the truth and that I I have nothing to fear because I am I am love and I am came from that I am that source and I can connect into that and I have what I need and um, thank you for reminding us of that thank you for for telling that to people who maybe have never heard it before maybe they are the first messenger that comes into their world to say hey you have what you need within you. And um, mm-hmm. thank you for being one of the voices that reminds us all of who we are. So I love you, Lena. Thank you for doing the work that you do. And how can people stay connected to you um, uh, if they want to and learn more about your work and how they can get involved with your meditation membership? What, where should people
2: go? Sure. I love you too. Thank you for being the expression of light and love that you are. It's such a gift to be in communion and friendship with you. Um, yes, I would love to connect. I, um, I'm on social media. So my handle on Instagram and all other platforms is I am Lena Franklin, L E N A Franklin. I am Lena Franklin. I would love to connect with you. I share, you know, free practices and tips, and I'm happy to answer questions and just be in this loving, supportive community. Um, and then my website, linafranklin.com, where you can look and share and uh, explore all about my work, including the meditation membership. So I have a beautiful, uh, just powerful Global Community for Awakening, which is the meditation membership, which is an accessible way for you to receive transformational teachings, meditations, and uh, master classes on a weekly basis. So I'd love for you to be a part of that with us and sending everyone blessings on this wild and winding
1: path. Yeah. If you guys are still here an hour in, then... <laughs> I'm asking you, go, go connect with Lena, go look at her work, go find a way that you can work with her because you're not listening this long. If something hasn't touched your heart and there isn't a a light, a a resonance and a frequency that, that you, uh, vibe with. So go, um, give her some love, maybe take a screenshot of this episode, tag us, let us know that you listened, what really resonated with you and your heart and what stood out. Uh, that is how I'm able to continue to make, uh, content that you want to hear. So um, I invite you also to submit questions or topics that you'd like me to discuss and dive into with guests on this show. Uh, As always, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, go enjoy and be present. Love you guys. I hope you love this episode and that it was helpful for you. If you did enjoy it, please spread the love with your friends, text them, call them, post it all over social media. Whatever you do, just make sure you tag me, Coach Tori Gordon, so that we can all keep getting better together.